What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to week two of the playbook with Joey and Zach. Uh, pumped to be back for another week, uh, even though we missed last week. Uh, back and better than ever. Uh, lots to talk about tonight. Joey will get into that in a minute. We're just coming off a big intramural game or intramural debut of basketball for the season. Uh, so we're a little gassed, but excited to be out here. Yeah, no, we're psyched to be back in the studio. As always, a pleasure. Thank you guys for always listening. We did have a tough intramural loss of basketball tonight, opening night for Co-Rec Basketball. Uh, I think the finals were like 41 25 or something. We were, I mean, it's not that. Every day was, it was a five point game at five minutes left, saying, and then you, we just kind of lost might, it. We had no subs. I think it's a blowout. But at the end of the day, it was really uh, a five point game. I think it was about six, seven minutes to go. It was still a six point game, and then they hit a couple threes. And uh, I know, obviously, we, we all have to play better as a team, but we also were missing some key pieces. And at the end of the day, no excuses, but overall, it's a tough from the team tonight. Yeah. I mean, what can you do? It's only overnight. Only, only had six time. people to, to run, you know, and. Only one person on the bench doesn't make it easy. But at the end of the day, we do have another game next week. So next Wednesday night, rather than being 8 to 9, will be just like this, probably like 9.30 to 10, 10.30, whatever it is. Uh, similar timing next week since we have another game at 8, is right? Yeah. 8, eight next mm-hmm. week. 8 again, every week, so. so. Tough, obviously. Yeah, just this week and the next week. It'll be a little bit off in the schedule, but yeah. it is what it is. Still yeah, got both ends, so. It's tough. Um, so tonight, we'll be discussing BC football coming off a bad loss to UConn this past weekend. Brutal loss, can't lose to UConn. Nope. They do host Duke Friday night tonight, or Friday nights or two nights from now at seven o'clock. So BC having the second of us home game of the year will be in a couple of nights, and then they host Syracuse over Thanksgiving break. So this is really the last game for students, especially for seniors, for us, uh, for the mm, most part, having you know, all of our classmates and everyone at a game, which is not—I mean, it's not the best season for BC football, but at the end of the day, having you know the tradition of tailgating games, stuff like that, being with all your friends, and you, you lose that base. It's our last game. So, mm, on the top, for the record, uh, obviously it'll be a fun game to go to. Uh, I think I had Duke beating BC like a couple weeks ago by 13.5 as I take Duke covering the spread. It's 9.5 right now. I'll take Honestly, Duke I bet Duke over 20 points. I'll take Duke winning like 34 to 14 or something right now. Yeah, 34. Yeah. Crowd's going to be, student session will probably be electric for the 37, first 17. quarter and a half. 37-17 is my prediction. I like right? that. We'll, we'll get into obviously prediction stuff. Uh, and then we'll talk about the Celtics, the NBA, give you guys a breakdown of how the Celtics are playing. They're playing right now against the Cavaliers. They're up by five points with about eight minutes to go. Start of the fourth quarter on a 12 0 run. And then we'll also talk about the NFL trade deadline, maybe get into some other topics across the NFL and NBA. Uh, so we'll start off BC football. Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. Uh, tough 13-3 last week. Um, tough Dude, loss. Absolutely brutal losing to UConn. BC football has never lost in the past. Um, honestly, ridiculous. I'm outraged. Oh, twelve and two. They were. So we were twelve two and nothing against. I mean, them. I had so much hope for this team going into this year, and I mean, starting away the season losing to Rutgers, I already lost my hope pretty much. But this is just a new low for the program. It seems like Jeff Hoffley has completely lost control of the locker room. There's a lot of rumors swirling around off-field issues with the team. Um, everything just seems to be falling apart over there, um, and there's just no way to salvage the season at this point. Losing to UConn, um, I mean, losing to Rutgers, two. Out of conference games that were supposedly, I mean, winning games for us. You know, everyone smart him off as a win, kind of a bye week on the schedule. Uh, and now, where we sit here at what, two and six? Two and six now, losing Oof. to UConn. UConn in the past was 0 12 and 2 against BC. So BC was 12 0 and 2 versus UConn in 15, 14 games played heading into this game. And I went up losing 13 to 3. UConn getting their first win against BC ever. So huge win for them, obviously. And then they also won. A power five game, which they haven't done since I think it was 2016. Yeah, 2016, which is nuts. I mean, just shows how far we've gone downhill in the last year in this program. 25th, 2016. It just hurts to see. September 2016, ending a 14-game losing streak against power five teams. 
So congrats mm-hmm. to them. I mean, it's honestly a better game for them. Obviously, they have more yeah, to gain than UConn, to lose. They sure. more to gain than to lose in that game. BC has everything to lose, and that's what that's what happened. We did lose thirty mm-hmm. three, and now the program just looks like yeah. To them, that's the Super Bowl. down a downfall, and they're four mm-hmm. and five now. I mean, they're actually having a really good year. Credit to them. Played well. BC did shoot themselves in the foot multiple times, though. Five turnovers. Mm-hmm. Three two picks for Jakovic. He's had a tough year. Two picks for Jakovic. One for Moorhead, and then I mean, two. Fumbles. You said it yourself, really. There was really no bright spots in the team. None, zero. There was none. The O line play, QB play is what you'd expect. Zay Flowers only two catches. The play calling has been horrible. Zay two muff punts. Yep. One of them being lost had a bad decision going for one that was drifting away from him. Ended up going Missed in tackles. trying to make it. There were three gunners coming at him. Three defenders. Uh, they were on the punt coverage team coming at him. They all hit him, of course, once the ball hit him. Ends up losing the ball. They end up recovering. And so we had two muff punts and also dropped a wide-open touchdown to the sidelines off a throw from Everett Moorhead. And then we had a 17-yard punt. Uh, we missed a field goal with about 30 seconds to go. That was wide, wide, wide. wasn't even close. wasn't even worth it. I mean, I know I went for the field goal because you scored down. Every game just sucks. You're, you're down 13-3. to three. You're just trying to make it a one-possession game, so you get an onside kick, try to get the ball back. I understand going for the field goal there and just didn't work. End up losing. Like you said, every phase just sucked. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's really no positive takeaway from that game. The offense, the defense, the special teams, and losses like this are hurting the team way beyond now, I mean, what we're seeing on the, the field. The this past week, uh, we just saw our top-rated commit for the next cycle, the 2023 cycle. This guy, uh, four-star safety in New Jersey, decommit. And, I mean, I don't blame him because no one wants to go to a losing program like this. Yeah. I think we're only going to start to see more and more in the next few weeks. Some guys decommit. And then at the end of the season, too, we're going to see a whole boatload of guys probably transfer out of the program. Um, I mean, probably a lot of the young talent we've had, too, because – Especially now with the NIL and transfer rules, it's so easy to you know bail out of the program. Um, it's really going to be tough for next year, especially for a guy like Halfway that preaches so much about not going to the portal. If he doesn't go into the portal next year to fill a lot of these holes, we're screwed. I mean, especially in the O-line, um, I mean, we're missing a lot right now, and we're going to have to go in the transfer portal this year. I know he always um, I mean, kind of talks about how much he believes in recruiting through high school and doing things the right way, which I buy in, um, but he's not going to be able to do that now if I mean, all these guys are jumping ship. So he's going to have to dig into the transfer portal this offseason. Um, there's no excuses because there's going to be guys leaving, both that are on the team right now and guys that have been pledging to the program that are also going to drop their commitments. Yeah, it's not just for now. It's for the future. Obviously, you're losing guys. And who knows what Jeff Halfley's future holds at BC. He could be gone uh, after one more year. Who knows? I mean, at the end of the day, they do give you three or four years to develop a culture and stuff. And obviously, he came into a program that was already a winning culture. I know we weren't winning ACC championships. We were always about 500 in a bowl game. And obviously, this year just shows this team has gone downhill, especially considering we had a lot of talent coming back. Jason Major, Elijah mm-hmm. I'm not saying Elijah This Jones, is supposed to be a year. Besides the Olin, every position group was there. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say. It's not like we had the, you know, our entire core from last year. We did lose some pieces. No, but, but not huge. too many, but we also had guys coming back. Too. Jones, we had Elijah Jones, Jason Major coming back. Mm-hmm. Phil Jacoby coming back. Zay Flowers. Now we had young back. guys that were supposed to have breakout years. Bryce Steele, CJ Burton, you had Joe Griffin, the freshman, who I think has been a bright spot this year. Vinny DePaulo. knows if he's going to stay. Vinny DePaulo yeah. came back. Marcus Valdez came back. Um, is a Jalen Blackwell back. was supposed to step up big time this year, and he's been solid. I'll give him credit for that. Jaden Woodby came back. I mean, yeah. so many pieces came back. In this yeah, team so many guys worse. are coming back to boost their draft stock. Zay Flowers returned for another year to boost his draft stock. Um, I still think he'll be a, probably a second-round pick. Obviously, a tough game against UConn, but he's been a lead all year regardless. So I think one bad game against UConn is not going to change everything, but still. I don't think Phil's going to be able to declare for the draft and get drafted. Maybe he'll be a sixth, seventh-round pick if he's lucky based on intangibles. Based on his um, height physical and, size, that's and what measurements, I, mean. yes, I guess, physicals. measurables. But I don't know. Um, I mean, he's 12 of 19, 155 yards, no touchdowns, two picks against UConn. That's just inexcusable. Brutal. And five I, five I realistically think Phil's going to transfer to another program this offseason try to save his career. Do I think it's going to Does work? Does he have no. after the eligibility? One yeah, more. he has one more year after this. Wow. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to another program and try to save his Go draft stock for one year. Yeah. Yeah. Can't mm-hmm. play against UConn. I mean, it's tough. I mean, at the end of the day, 
UConn could have won this game by more. They had 10 penalties for 60 yards. A lot of those being false starts. BC had two penalties for 30 yards. UConn dominated the turnovers, five to nothing. So it doesn't help Jerkovic mm. if you know the offense only has three points. And it's crazy too the way. Yeah, I mean what you said, five turnovers to zero. The way that Halfley always talks about winning the turnover battle, forcing plays on defense. I mean, we haven't really been seeing any of that this year. Defense is something that Halfley's always prided himself on. He's a defensive backs guy. We really haven't seen that from the defense this year, which is the craziest thing. That's honestly been the biggest regression to me besides quarterback play, which we didn't really have last year anyway. Um I mean yeah, it was a big injury. drop from two years ago. I was I always um, thought he was a little bit overrated, but Jokovic, I always thought he was a little overrated. Uh, I thought day, two years ago he was elite. He was tough. I think at the end of the day, it's going to be probably one more year for Halfley if the team doesn't get back on track next year, and then who knows what the future holds after that. But BC has a tough game know. this weekend. I'm not too confident BC's going to get rid of him with Lee. He know how he feels. And then the new AD, Blake James, just released a statement the other day in the Boston Globe saying how much he believes in Halfley and how he's yeah. disappointed this season, but he believes in Halfley long-term and all that. And I mean, he had a hist- he had a history too. Blake James at Miami of I forget the coach's name, but not frying a certain coach. And he actually made pretty much identical remarks like five years ago about how he believes in this coach. That Diaz was, kinda, was it? Yeah, it was Diaz and the guy before that. Actually, um, he made comments about the same thing. Just kind of never really ended up doing anything about it until he got fired. Crystal Ball, I got now. Yeah, so it was Diaz before that. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be a tough. Just game a this mess. Weekend. The administration, the coaching, everything. We definitely need a new offensive coordinator at the end of the season. The whole offense is a mess. Play calling, talent, everything. Um, and we just need to work everywhere. Yeah, we do have playmakers. That's the thing, too. We got Pat Garrow, Alex Broom in the backfield. I'm two big fans of the, both of those guys. Um, Zay, I've always been a big fan of. Jalen Gill, he didn't have a good game, but I, I still believe in him. Um, I'd like to see Tackix do more, but we haven't really seen much of him this season. Phil he has really, really opportunities. Yeah. Um, he had a good game against Rutgers. We think, we really, now, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, O-line's been tough. abysmal. I still think that was one of the biggest mistakes by half of this year is not going to the portal to find an O-line, at least some O-line depth. Um, I mean, we got freaking walk-ons playing right now. I mean, it's just crazy. Problem. That's the problem, mm-hmm. right? There, I mean, me and you could probably get up there and <laughs> give it a run. <laughs> slot safety work. Yeah, Why seriously. Not? I mean, slot wide receiver slash safety work. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could get on the scout team maybe. At the this pace this year's gone. Yeah. At this point, why not? Right. Um, mm-hmm. But it'll be a tough game this weekend against Duke. Duke coming in five and three on the year, two and two in the ACC, averaging thirty-four point three eight points per game. And then if you look at it, outscored uh, their opponents. Pretty much a lot of their wins were blowout wins, a good amount of them, which I'm going to you know name some. 30 to nothing, 49-20, 38-17, 45-21 over Miami a few weeks ago. Uh, now they're coming off a bye week as well. In fact, then they're coming off a bye week, BC coming off a loss to UConn, and they've also scored 30-plus points in six out of eight games. Oof. So BC is going to have a tough game, especially with a mobile quarterback that yeah. is very similar to Daniel Jones, actually. Uh, if you look at it, obviously he's not Daniel Jones at the end of the day since – DJ obviously had a first round, second round grade, really. I don't know what this kid's grade is. Um, you know, obviously, he's probably a couple years anyway. Yeah, probably not too high. Or probably not um, as high as Daniel Jones, I mean. No, but. Jones was like a second rounder in most. This kid's only sophomore, so he has some ways to go. But 6'4", mm-hmm. 2, 12, similar measurables to, Z- to Daniel Jones. You look at stats on the year, can run the ball, 78 carries, 481 yards, and eight rushing touchdowns with 60.13 rushing yards per game. Passing, 143 completions and 223 attempts with a 64% completion percentage, so pretty good there. 1,693 passing yards. 10 touchdowns, 4 picks, at 211 passing yards per game. So that's just about 211 and 60, 271 yards per game. BC's yeah, struggle. Uh, we're going to have our hands full. I mean, unless the defense steps up and plays big time, I mean, Duke has a really good defense this year. Um, I mean, they're just a complete team. And it's crazy, I think, the way that we went from dominating them two years ago to now. Um, probably going to get, I mean, maybe not blown out, lose by two touchdowns, 10 points for Lucky. Um, but, I mean, it's just crazy. And I don't think our offense is going to be able to hang with they're, I mean, they got a high-powered offense this year as they well. They score points. Yeah, they, you just said that. Yeah, they put up points on the board. 
Um, so yeah. it's going to be real tough for us to keep up with that. The O-line fill. Um, we just haven't been getting playmakers the ball as well. And, I mean, Zay's really been the only bright spot in our offense this year. Yeah. Um, outside of that Louisville game where guys like Alex Broom break out a little bit. Um, just really not too confident in the team at this point. And I truthfully think we're going to go 2-10 and 10 by the end of the year. Um, if I'm giving a score prediction for this game, I'm going to go 34-13, to 13, Duke. I think I was 37-17, um, 34-17, 37-17, somewhere yeah. around there. 20-21 um, point spread. Yeah. I won't be surprised. <laughs> I think we'll keep it close the first half, similar to the Clemson game. I think the energy is going to be high with it being the, really the last home game, at least for students. The student section will be packed and going crazy as usual. Um, we'll bring the energy, but I just think halftime is going to come. The team's going to be worn out. Uh, we're going to start to see a lot of the same woes we've been seeing the last few weeks. Um, I mean, just the ineptness on offense. I mean, it's just problems all over the field. Defense, offense, it's everything really this season. So, yeah, um, to bad. be honest, as a fan, I just completely lost faith in this team. Um, and I don't see anything getting better until there's serious changes made in the offseason. One guy to look out for in that Duke uh, defense is Brandon Johnson, defensive back, sophomore, 5'10", 180 from North Carolina, coming off his best game of the season against U Miami. Eight tackles, an assisted tackle, two tackles for a loss, two of those being sacks. An interception and a fumble recovery. He's been all over the field all year. Second on the team in tackles for Ross at five and a half. Actually, first on the team in sacks with three and a half. Tied with RJ Oban, a defensive tackle, uh, defensive end. So pretty impressive. A guy in the secondary has uh, the most sacks for them and second most tackles for loss. He also has the most interceptions on the team, tied with two. Has a couple fumble recoveries, which is second on the team and a fourth fumble of the year as well. His kid's all over the field. This kid's all yeah, over the field. Yeah, he's going to cause issues, especially if he's yeah. Phil. Huh. This kid's all over the field. They do have a top. defensive lineman, uh, Dwayne Carter, defensive tackle. Coming off a uh, pretty good game a few weeks ago with a tackle for a loss, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery uh, against Miami with two solo tackles. He has seven tackles for a loss on the year, 23 total tackles and two and a half sacks. So very good year for him. Brandon Johnson, that guy I just mentioned, 32 total tackles. He's been very impressive. So... Out of, all over the place. I mean, this team can score, as you can tell, as well. Riley Landon, their quarterback, one guy to watch out for. I'm a big fan of him. From his measurables, I mean, he looks like Daniel Jones. Um, the other thing, I haven't watched too many hey, Duke hey. games. I watched two Duke games at the end of the year. Two Duke games at the end of the year I've watched. I, so I haven't watched too many Duke games. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen them play. But uh, I remember at the beginning of the year when they were hot. They started off the season 2-0. and I watched a little bit of their games. And I said, wow. I think it might have been week three I watched the game. I said, well, they're going to beat BC by 13 and a half. I said, I think they win by two mm. touchdowns. And yeah, they started hot this season, too. They were 4 and 0 or something. Yeah. They, which they is nuts. Cause, I mean, they've been they've had a tough last couple of years, too. So, I mean, don't really follow Duke football too closely, but something changed, whether it was coaching. Uh, I don't think it was coaching, though. I don't think they made any coaching changes. Um, I mean, it might just be. Could just be culture. Guys getting Coach, older, I think they might have a new coach. Uh, I think uh, David Cutcliffe is gone. I believe he is. Okay. I think it is new coaching. Um, but. One guy to watch out for another guy is Jordan Waters, their running back. Don't know too much about him. I remember watching the game. I think it was a quarterback. I really saw some Lennon. I don't really remember too much about their running back. But 83 carries on the year, 422 total yards, 410 as a net, uh, seven touchdowns, 51 rushing yards per game. And then the receiver, Jalen Calhoun, the number one in receptions and receiving yards, 31 catches for 443 yards and two touchdowns. So that's a guy to watch out for, obviously. Um, so BC will have their hands full. My prediction is 37-17. What do you got, Zach? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got uh, 34-13. Either way, I mean, we can both agree it's probably going to be UConn by somewhere around 20. Duke by 20. Oh, yeah. yeah. Duke by 20. But same yeah, thing. give me the UConn. Day, UConn. If we play UConn. You again, made. Yeah. Here with the over. Here with the over. You made, baby. Cover the spread and the over. Uh, yeah, long day. But, yeah, I mean, either way, I got us losing to Duke by 21 Friday. Um, I just don't think the energy from the team is going to be there. Everyone just seems defeated on the field. I mean, the talent. We have, or we had at least to start the season. Uh, the O line play has been brutal. Phil's regressed. 
Um, the defense has regressed, particularly the defensive uh, secondary. I mean, and it's just, it's hard to believe in this team at this point. I mean, I feel like every week I come in and when me and Joe just top predictions for the BC football games, I'm always saying, oh, I got us in an upset, but this is probably one of the first times I've said, this is it, I got Duke by 20. Because, I mean, you know me, I said we're going to win the Red Band Dana game a few weeks ago. Yeah. I thought the energy was going to be high. Um, well, I, I, interesting. With that, but. I trust the Giants every week, so I get it. Um, but this Duke team is scoring a lot of points. Another thing is, I mean, they have two running backs, Jordan Waters, who I mentioned, Redshirt Jr., seven touchdowns on the year. And then they also have another guy, Jalen Coleman, who's coming off a great game a few weeks ago, 19 carries, 96 yards. Uh, also, if you look at it, he's got four touchdowns, too. So they spread the ball around, uh, and that's going to be tough for BC, averaging 61 rushing yards per game, which is actually number one on the team. Mm-hmm. We always struggle against teams like that, too, that have two dynamic running backs. You saw that with uh, NC State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially the mobile too. quarterback, too. Forget it. When we saw this with the team last year, though, it was even better than this year. But, um, I mean, teams that have two dynamic running backs take Syracuse, NC State. We just got blown up by both those teams um, defensively. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that again. I mean, our Russian defense has been not great. It hasn't been the killer of this team, but we've been taken over by mobile quarterbacks and uh, shifty running backs. In taller receivers, Wake Forest, we struggled mm-hmm. with like, you know, six, three, six, yeah, four receivers. Yeah, we do have a lot of undersized defensive backs. DJ Burton, Amari Jackson. Yeah. Um, Amari Jackson's kind of big. 6'2", 6'3". Yeah. He's not 6'2". He's had a tough year, though. Penalties, coverage, and everything. Yeah. I'm he surprised, honestly, we're still playing him out there, but I don't really know who else we play instead of him. He played well in one game over the last year. I remember saying he actually had a decent game. It wasn't against UConn. might have been Clemson. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, game. he was playing well against Clemson, Clemson actually, until he got hurt. He made some big tackles, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he stepped up big. He had a brutal week at Louisville the week before. Yeah. He had um, two back-to-back pass interferences, allowing a big Louisville drive, and then he gave up a big play as well. I think the same drive, and it was just like, come on. Yeah. Um, so but he stepped back struggle. up in the Clemson game, so I'll give him that. Um, I think Matry's been good this year. He's Matry's my favorite player on the team. team. Yeah, we've been knowing that. Uh, I'm a big Matry guy. I like him, too. Big Matry guy. my favorite player. He plays with Hunt. Um, but BC's yeah, he, tough, he's always tough playing hard. He's always running across the field. Tough run for BC um, here. Going up against yeah, two running backs in a good season. Which Jalen Coleman, I mentioned, coming off his best game, played against Virginia, 90 carries, 96 yards. Hasn't played since that game, so it's been three or four weeks. He hasn't played, so Jordan Waters is their lead back. Uh, and then obviously Riley Leonard. But for BC, I guess one thing you're looking for is cutting the turnovers down, I guess. Five to nothing last week. Yeah, just trying to make the turnover battle even close, I guess. I mean, the goal is always to win the turnover battle, but the way this season's going, the way um, Phil looks, and the way we've been taking care of the ball, I'd be happy going minus one in the turnover battle. We've done that before. We were minus two against Louisville when we won that game. So we don't necessarily have to win the turnover battle. Obviously, that helps. Um, But, I mean, if we can even make it close. But if we lose, if we go minus five in the turnover battle, just forget it. There's no shot we have of winning the game. You can't throw, uh, give away the ball five times and never take the ball away. And expect to win a game. It's just not possible. And Duke also has a very good offensive line. They've only given up 10, 12 sacks on the year, which is second least in the ACC. BC, 29 sacks, and they've given up second most in the ACC. So second in the ACC, Oof. BC is against sacks against. They've given up 29. Versus Duke being 13th out of 14, giving up only 12 on the year. So their offensive line's good. Then you look at BC's pass rush, only 16 sacks on the year, which is yeah, fourth most in the ACC. Duke, only 19. So the pass rush isn't that great uh, for Duke. You look at interceptions, though. BC really doesn't have too many on the year. Only six picks on the year. Uh, Duke, even less, five. Uh, so neither team, I guess, is going to kill you with a secondary. Uh, but tough season for BC, obviously. And the way you look at it, like you said, the season's already over, basically being two and six. Because mm-hmm. you have to win four straight. You're not going to win four straight. Oh, yeah. Boy, and I guess three, three wins would be a win. I mean, if you've got one, one more win, I guess it would be a good season, a good finish of the season. Mm-hmm. Finish one and three, I guess, in the last four. Yeah, what is it bad even just to get a win? Because we, we're playing four good teams the rest of the way. So if we won one, I'd be happy with it. 
Um, I just don't know if we're going to see another win on campus, though. I guess yeah. that's probably our last one, Louisville, realistically, having our last two home games be Duke and Syracuse, both of who have been having really good seasons, uh, especially Syracuse. Uh, credit to them. They were so close to knocking off Clemson the other week, uh, and they had a great season. Um, they really brought everything together. I mean, you think two years ago, looking at um, the way we played Syracuse, did we beat them two years ago? Or did we even play them? We played them two years ago. Uh, they beat us, though, uh, two years ago, I believe. Did they? I think we won. It was like sixteen, thirteen, or something. Maybe we did. Yeah, with uh, we did Grosselle. win that game. Yeah, Grosselle. I was gonna say yes, we did win that game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, they actually, they beat us with so, Schrader and Tucker. Had really good yeah. games. Yeah, and that's really when we had Grosselle and everything was falling apart offensively. Uh, you're right. But yeah, I mean, you think two years ago the way the trajectory of our program looked versus the tra- uh, trajectory of theirs with a team like Dino Babers maybe getting fired and then and Jeff Halfley comes and takes this program and everything's on the way up. Uh, you'd think we'd be in opposite positions right now. You'd think BC would be 16 or 20 or whatever Syracuse is right now, and Syracuse would be 2 and 6 and unranked. Um, yeah, but, I mean, here we good. are. So it's been a series of poor decisions from the coaching staff, particularly from Halfley, um, both hiring decisions in terms of hiring the right offensive coordinators, play callers, um, and filling holes in the roster. Um, I mean, the offensive line this season, refusing to dip into the transfer portal, um, which, I mean, I respect the way that he's – um, going about that and saying that he believes in the guys that he recruits and develops and everything. Uh, but when you have to start a walk-on guy at left guard, you're right not going to have home. a successful season. Yeah, whatever he I think is. Both, I mean, no, we two, two walk-ons at one point, didn't we? Yeah, we did at one point. We had point. a couple walk-ons. We, we have a kid that played D-line who was buried in the depth chart starting at Jackson center. S? Yeah, Jackson S. Nice kid. Yeah, he's I met nice him before. I a couple classes. Great kid. Met him um, in rotation. Nice kid. But I mean, it's just brutal that we have a former defensive lineman that was buried in the depth chart starting at center now. It's just crazy. Dwayne Alex is buried in the depth complete chart. Complete oversight on the coaching staff. Right. Dwayne yeah. Alex starts. Yeah, he was um, in our theater class. He was. Um, BC actually has thrown the most picks in the ACC this year with nine, uh, and then also only have 12 touchdowns on the year in eight games, which is brutal. 12 touchdowns in eight games is sad. That's tough. That's tough. I mean, there are actually some um, ACC yeah, teams with less. Brutal. Some ACC teams with less offensive touchdowns on the year. Georgia, Tech, Virginia, only have six touchdowns. Still don't want to be in that crew, year. though. It's, uh, only have six touchdowns, dude. It's nuts. Here at all, Clemson gets out a week. I guess we got lucky in that uh, Louisville game. What did we probably get four that game? Yeah. <laughs> so our main, that would have the last three. touchdown. That was the last touchdown we got, wasn't it? Oh, no, we got one no, against Wake. No, we got one against Wake. We did. We got okay. one against Wake. Second to last touchdown was against back. Louisville. It was parents' yeah. weekend on campus. Which Malik Cunningham stays again. healthy. BC doesn't win that game. They're 0-5 in the ACC if you don't win that game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. pretty lucky game. There. Yeah, at that point, we could have been 1-11, which is nuts. And I mean, Probably should have lost that game. Malik didn't go out for three possessions. I think that team wins. I think the league wins. Yeah, and we're seeing the effects of it on campus. People calling for Halfley's job already. Um, people wanting to bring in replacements. One guy whose name I've heard, I think it's a long shot, the Holy Cross head coach. I honestly don't remember his name, but he's really taking yeah, the program and turning him around. Yeah. I think they're 7-0 right now, top of the Patriot League. I mean, they look good. So Yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, at this point, it'd be not. interesting. But he's a local guy and seems to have success running a football program. So. I mean, Holy Cross would give us a game. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah at this point, end. I wouldn't even be certain playing Holy Cross. UMaine honestly gave us a game. And once, once UMaine gave us a game, I was like, yeah, no, UMaine's ending at the top of the FCS. I mean, no, you play no. Holy Cross. Holy Cross is ranked like, like three five Holy Cross is top 10 in the FCS right now, which is nuts. So. Yeah. We I play like them. It's definitely not going to be 55-0 or whatever it was four years ago. I mean, I like we're going to see a real game. I like UMaine a lot. They play hard. I like UMaine. Yeah, you do like them. Big not, fan of them. They're yeah. dogs. They play well for a team that. Small school. Doesn't recruit much talent, yeah. Small I mean, school would tackle very well. Uh, me and my curly sports hard. crew were talking about that. Um, if only BC could play it, that would be 8-0 right now. But probably. Here we uh, are looking at 2-6. and six. It's tough, obviously. Uh, one thing I wanted to update you guys on, World Series Game 4 is tonight. Philly's up 2-1 to one in the series. Uh, tough game for the Phillies so far, down 5 to nothing in the bottom of the fifth. 
not even having a hit yet for the Phillies being shut out, no hits, no runs. Uh, Christian Javier has been electric on the mound for the Astros. Start of the game, four and two-thirds innings, now five innings. Uh, just got his third out of the fifth inning. Five innings, nine strikeouts, two walks, no hits, no runs, with a .77 ERA in the postseason. And the Astros have been clutch. Uh, Yuli Gurriel's two for three with an RBI. Alex Bregman, one for two with two RBIs. And then Jordan Alvarez is one for two with an RBI as well, with a double from uh, Kyle Tucker and a double from Alex Bregman, his fourth in the postseason. Aaron Nola starting of the Phillies. Four innings, seven hits, three earned runs, four strikeouts, no walks, but 4.91 ERA in the postseason. And then Jose Alvarado came in for one inning in relief, giving up two runs, two hits, two strikeouts, no walks, raising his postseason ERA to 4.5. And one thing with the Phillies is they usually hit a lot uh, and score a lot of runs, as you saw last night with five home runs in the first five innings, which is actually a World Series record, uh, wow. but end up finding themselves down 5 nothing now in Game 4, which Game 5 would be tomorrow, I believe. Uh, yes, it would be... Tomorrow, I believe. Let me make sure here. Uh, there is an off day in between. It would be tomorrow, yes, at 8.03 p.m., and then Friday night will be an off day with them heading back to Houston. So if the Astros win tonight, the game will be heading back to Houston no matter what. Hey, go Phillies, baby. Yes, go Phillies, baby. Phillies at six. Absolutely. Um, yes, now moving to some Celtics and NBA talk. Celtics right now sit 4-2 and two in the season. Um, I'm feeling pretty good about the way they look so far. Um, I'm a fan of new coach Joe Mazzula. Uh, I think he's taking the program in good hands. Um, right now, playing the Cleveland Cavs, tied up at 107 with six seconds left in the fourth quarter. Cavs hit the ball. Um, looking to be a good game. Cavs are really good this year, um, so good that we're hanging on a game like this because uh, there was a couple games earlier yeah, earlier this season that I was really concerned about. Um, particularly, what was that one game we played? Um, Bulls got blown out by 30. Yeah, yeah we were up 20 points in the first quarter. And then, yeah, that was seen like the pre-January 2022 Celtics right there. Uh, what was it, last Monday or whatever? Um, that was, I mean, yeah, that was really hard to watch. It's just blow that lead. There was no defense, no hustle, no nothing. Uh, but it seems like we're bringing it back. Um, I mean, playing right a close now. game against the Cavs. Should have had the last one. We played the Cavs last week and lost by nine. Um, but definitely want to get this win in Cleveland because they're a good team, and I think they're going to be one of the top teams in the East this year. I think at the start of the year I had them, like, fourth I had them third in the conference. Fourth um, I have them in the Eastern but Conference Finals. At this the rate, they, I think they're going to be top three the way they're looking right now. It looks to be Bucks, Celtics, Cavs, probably top three in the Eastern I think I got the Bucks right now. That was my prediction, and then Clippers and the Warriors. The Jazz. Yeah, I think maybe. I had Celtics, Bucks, and Clips, Warriors, and I had the Celtics, Warriors rematch in the finals. Yeah. Which Celtics legit so far. Warriors not so much, um, but I still think the Warriors are gonna come back. I mean, they'll be fine. Two and four. Clips yeah, they're, they're gonna find the stride. Same with the Clips. I mean, they just got too much talent. The Warriors zero and four on the road, and they usually dominate both home and on the road. So they'll be fine. I mean, mm-hmm. Celtics here we are. Yeah, they just need to wake up. They're the same team they did last year. They probably got a little bit of fatigue after winning the championship only what four months ago now. Um, so, yeah, yeah, here we go. We have the Celtics game live. Six seconds left. 107, 107, 6.7 seconds to go with Cleveland inbounding the ball in their own offensive end. Uh, and look at it. I mean, it's a tie game, five seconds. Celtics win this game with Cleveland being 5-1. and one. I was an accomplishment on its own. Donovan Mitchell for the well, three for block the game. by Tatum. Tatum Big with a block, block Jason from the three. Tatum. Huge block. So, the Celtics OT. There we go. We'll keep you guys posted. Big OT game there. Absolutely. Yeah, hey. yeah. Tatum in the games having a good Don't game. Uh, home, yeah. 24 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 blocks uh, wow. with 5 turnovers. The turnovers are tough, but 7-17 from the field, 2-7 from 3. Jalen Brown, 28 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists with a steal, and then also a plus 8 rating. Tatum has a minus 15 rating with 4 Oof. blocks. I don't know if that's possible. Maybe it's just because he's been out there. He's been out there 37 minutes. Brown's been out there 38. Yeah, he's been out there pretty much the whole game. Wow. Uh, and then Horford's had a good game. Horford's plus 12 rebounds. right now. Uh, Smart, 14 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. 
Uh, and then Grant Williams, 11.6 rebounds. And then obviously Malcolm Brogdon, very good player off the bench. Yeah, super efficient off the bench. Assists, yeah, 6, six for 11, 11 shooting too. I mean, yeah, he's going to be a huge key moving forward in this season, having a playmaker like him, especially putting him in the middle of the Jays and uh, Al Grant Williams, putting him in the middle of a bunch of shooters. I think the Celtics is a great fit for him. Um, and I'm really excited to see the way he continues to play throughout the season. I'm already really impressed. Um, and I think he was definitely a hole we had in our roster, having a second playmaker. I don't really like the way that we've been sitting Pritchard, to be honest. Um, I'm a big fan of Pritchard, so I'd like to be seeing him get some actual minutes. Um, but it seems that Joe Mazzulla found his guy and Malcolm Brogdon and um, Marcus Smart to run the point. So, I mean, it is what it is. I hope to see Pritchard get back out there. Um, but, I mean, I can't complain at those two guards that we have yeah. on the floor right now. So, positives for the Celtics are up 9-1 to in the block ratio. So, they're, they're out blocking Cleveland 9-1. to They're also winning in the free throw percentage as well, 26-27, to which is very good for the Celtics, 96%. Cleveland's only shooting 19 to 24%, 9%. Points in the paint, 19 points of Celts in the paint. Uh, to well, 19 of 36 in the paint, shooting 52%. Uh, as for three-pointers, both teams are cold. 28% from the Celts, 28% from Cleveland. Both teams shooting cold in the paint. Uh, as a field goal percentage, both of them being 42%. 42.7 for the Celts, 42.9 for the Cavs. So pretty even game, 107-107. Yeah, pretty average shooting from both teams. 52 rebounds for the Celts, 53 for the Cavs. 25 assists for the Celts, 21 for the Cavs. Four steals for the Celts, six for the Cavs. Pretty even all around besides the blocks. Nine to one turnover. Mm-hmm. Celts have four more, 13 to nine, losing that uh, uh, ratio there. But pretty even game. Well, yeah, you got two pretty evenly matched teams. I think Cleveland's got a load of young talent um, right now. You got Evan Mobley. I think he's going to be one of the next big man stars in the NBA. Jared Allen, I've always been a big fan of him. Uh, lockdown defensive center. Great rebounding. Evan Mobley beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Darius Garland's finally back after a little eye injury in game one. Um, I mean, he's off to a hot start. 26 points tonight, 11 assists, five boards. Uh, Karis Levert, always been a fan of him since his Brooklyn days. Donovan Mitchell, too. It's just the whole package. they got to start at five. They can do everything. Um, I Kevin mean, off the bench. Everything's starting to come together Robert Lopez isn't a bad guy off the bench. got five minutes. Mm-hmm. Chetty Osmond doesn't really contribute on the offensive end, but four rebounds. Uh, they have a pretty deep team all around. Uh, especially yeah, considering all the scorers there, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Karis LeVert, three guys that like to score the ball. Mm, which is you see, 29 points of Garland, 23 points of Mitchell, 15 for LeVert, eight rebounds for LeVert, uh, 11 from Jared Allen, assists too. I mean, they got a ton, 11 of Garland, like you said, four assists from LeVert, five from Donovan Mitchell. And then also the shooting, uh, a ton, obviously, you know, Donovan Mitchell's 10 of 25, 9 of 18 for Garland, 4 of 12 for LeVert. But that's just their type of game they shoot. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's just what it is. Both teams have plenty of guys that love to put up 25 shots a game, so it is what yeah, it is. Um, three to start but, the, the three for Cleveland to start the uh, overtime period now. So Celtics find themselves down go. three. I got to stop looking at the box score because I think that game is behind. Yes, it is uh, a second yeah. behind. It's a little bit behind. Uh, there's a layup from Marcus Smart. Uh, now a one point game. Uh, it is behind probably about 20 seconds. So you guys probably ahead of us by probably a minute. Realistic. It's just like 20 mm-hmm. seconds behind already. Yeah. And in the 20 seconds. Brandon, listen to this. Uh, yeah. Brandon From the studio, we're 20 Spotify. seconds behind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll just give you guys a breakdown just to Yeah, if anyone's listening to this on Spotify, let's get 20 seconds ahead. Yes. Yeah, why not? If you're listening to live, I mean, you, you see the game right here. Johnny Galloway, baby. Play Bowling Green's <laughs> playing tonight. Maction, baby. Uh, tonight, I'm a big fan of the Mac, as you guys know. I broke down some of the games oh, yeah, from last night. Uh, there's, two, there's two games tonight, two big ones. Central Michigan uh, playing Western Michigan. Uh, finding them, themselves down uh, in this game. Oh, Central Michigan playing Northern Illinois, excuse me, 35-22, Central Michigan's up, and then Bowling Green is up 13-9 over Western Michigan with a minute to go. Uh, Jelani Galloway plays um, at, um, what do you call Bowling it? Green? Transferred to Bowling Green, yes. Oh, no, Bowling Green, CJ, 
Uh, CJ Lewis. CJ Lewis and Western Michigan is Juwan Galloway. Yes. Oh, okay. Both those guys oh, yeah, playing against him. Yeah, two of your favorite XBC receivers. Galloway's four of four catches for 15 yards. So not the most efficient night, but uh, five targets. And then CJ Lewis is a carry for negative one uh, and one catch for 15 yards. So neither guy's having a crazy night. But they've both gotten touches, uh, especially considering uh, being a smaller school, they're going to get the chances on the field. So hopefully they get more touches. But Bowling Green, four and four. In yeah, the sure. Year. I was always a big fan of CJ Lewis and BC, especially uh, two seasons ago when he was getting right. a lot of usage in the red zone. Sure, Captain. Had a lot of big be, catches. But I yeah, he was. We don't really have any red zone threats right now, and he was elite. I don't blame him for leaving. You throw up the ball for him, and he's coming down with it half the time. So. I don't blame him for leaving. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was kind of weird the way we kind of buried him in the depth chart at the end of last year. Um, so, yeah, not really surprised the manner in which he left. Um, obviously, sucks as a fan, but I mean, you got to understand he's not getting minutes, he's not getting snaps, uh, especially for a talented receiver like him. Um, kind of weird coaching decision, in my opinion, playing the guy like Jaden Williams last year over him, um, having like a third, smaller, shiftier receiver um, who's been stepping away from the team now, Jaden Williams. Uh, we'll see what happens with him after the season. Yeah, what happens um, stepping away? He's taking time off. Yeah, he's had a couple off the field issues. Got you. Um, yeah, I saw that. So, I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was an injury or something or he's recovering. I didn't know too much about it, but hopefully, obviously, he's back on the field. Hopefully, things are good with him. Yeah, um, I hope so. She's pretty good. I mean, he's fast. He's shifty. He's not quite Zay Flowers. He's just taking time he's... off. I thought about an injury, but hopefully, he's all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope so. Um, but I mean, he's going to talk to you for BC. He might as well around. take care yeah. of himself. Yeah, at the end of the day, just got to get ready for next year. Um, but that being said, with some of the rumors swirling around him, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, to see him hit the portal in the offseason. I mean, we'll see. I mean, there's always a chance he comes back, runs it back for another year, because I think he's a good asset uh, to have on our team, considering that Zay will go to the NFL. And I think Jalen Gill, um, almost positive he has one more year of eligibility. I don't see him coming back to BC for his final year of college football. Gill? Um, probably not. So, Jane Williams could be wide receiver one next year if he comes back. Joe Griffin will probably be up there in the starting lineup. Um, 112-109 caps. Third spot's open. Yeah, that definitely is a possibility. Obviously, some of those guys leave, like Dracovic, like Jaden Williams. Zay Fowles obviously be gone. Uh, mm. Obviously, there's some question marks there of what the future holds for yeah, Halfley. We're going to have a lot of holds, uh, holes in the whole roster. Tackix leaving after this year. This is the last year of eligibility. Would be the whole offensive Matry, line. We'll have Jones, Mahogany back. Marcus but, Valdez, Vinny mm-hmm. uh, DePalma, they'll all be gone. Mm-hmm. Mahogany yeah, it's crazy to think about. Sheena Salah will be back. So it's about, but they'll, they'll probably be captains, actually, both of them. Uh, realistically, both of us being probably with seniors for the most part because mm. our whole recruiting class really was not great at all. No, we our entire grade was really Zay, Mahogany, DeBerry. And Sheena Salah. was it. Yeah. It wasn't really Yeah, I bet DeBerry will probably declare after this year. I don't know. I think he can be a late-round draft pick. Um, fifth I guess or sixth. Yeah. Fifth or sixth round. Maybe sixth round. I think he's got the athleticism size. Mm. What about small? I'd say sixth round. I always Good compare corner, him, though. I compare him to uh, former BC cornerback Ham Chivas who is similar size as, as DeBerry, but... Ham Chivas led college football, actually, in picks one year and didn't even end up getting drafted. I uh, was an undrafted free agent, I believe, and then just never made it in the NFL. So, it's very good saying that, yeah, maybe it could help his draft stock. Uh, but at the end of the day, who knows when that's a decision he'll make. Just like Ham Chivas made a decision to leave as a junior and ends up not getting drafted. Uh, and that obviously hurt his chances of playing in the NFL in the future. And I think he was an undrafted free agent of the Titans and never made it. Uh, he's a small corner. I think they listed him at like 5'9, 5'10. Uh, was not a big guy. 5'10, yeah, not a huge guy. 510-180, but was really good at BC. He was a lockdown corner, uh, had a ton of picks. I think he had seven one year, his, his wow. last year at BC in 2018. Um, me and my crew are big fans of him. Great player. Seven picks, led college football, also had a pick six, an 81-yard return, uh, and then also helped in the tackle, in the run game too, could tackle well, uh, 27 tackles. 
uh, as a junior, which isn't bad for a smaller cornerback. Yeah, it's impressive, especially for a guy at that size. Um, it wasn't bad at all. I liked him a lot. Quarterback mm-hmm. hit, seven pass breakups. Yeah, I can definitely say the DeBerry Fumble recovery, force fumble, yeah. Similar size. I think he was better than DeBerry, and I think DeBerry could stay another year. Uh, could help him, maybe. Who knows? But this is going to make at the end of the day. One, one yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him leave just because that was kind of a similar decision they made for this year uh, when he came back for this year. I didn't think he was going to drive the last year anyway, but one of the things he mentioned when he said he decided to come back was the fact that he wanted to boost his draft stock a little bit and come back and you know finish what they started here at BC. Um, even though it didn't end up happening and we're having an all-time bad season, um, he's still been a bright spot, I think, on the defense this year. For the most part, a uh, couple of tough games, but um, he's still been playing like himself, which is good to see. Um, so I think he could get drafted sixth and seventh round this year if he goes um, and declares, uh, which I think is the most likely scenario. I don't really see him coming back to BC for another year, uh, just both because of the way everything's been going this year and just because he's probably able to get drafted now if he wants to. Um, so it's probably the best route for him at this point. Definitely. Um, along with the guy who's Dave Flowers, too. In my mind, I think those are going to be the only two guys that get drafted after this season. I don't think Phil's going to be included in there. Uh, with the way things have looked this season. I'm majoring sixth or seventh round. Maybe I'll take him in the seventh, sixth or seventh. He plays hard. I'd draft I mean, him. I would like to get him too, yeah. If I was a GM, um, I'd draft him, but obviously the NFL I just think it's going to be kind of a Brandon Sebastian situation where a little bit undersized for a safety. Um, in Brandon More Sebastian physical corner, than Brandon Sebastian, though, which I like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He wasn't afraid to tackle. I think you need that in the NFL, especially today's day. Cornerbacks have mm-hmm. to tackle, safety I just tackle. think the athleticism, too, it's not quite there compared to some of the other guys coming out of um, similar schools. So I think he'll definitely get the chance to make a roster. Um, I think he'll be heavily involved in training camps and whatnot, but I think he might be a seventh rounder, probably cut off undrafted. Uh, but either way, I think he might be able to find some success in the NFL um, wherever he ends up. You know, definitely. Um, Celts right now find themselves down one fourteen to one thirteen with a second to go. Uh, Cavaliers have the ball, or Jalen Brown actually has the ball, I believe. So it's a Celtics hold the ball, but they All says right. yeah, Celtics Cavs timeout. So interesting. I don't know because I stream the second bounce. I'm looking on ESPN as well. Uh, on an app as well. Here it's in, uh, we got the defensive rebound, rebound and called timeout. Yeah. 1.7 seconds left on the clock. Yes, so Not see how the Celtics do. Uh, 1.7 to go, down by one. Clippers right now up win. the Rockets. 109-101. Looking for the second win in a row. Clips getting back, back on track. Uh, Paul George having a great game. Uh, 21 points, uh, or 28 points of Paul George, four rebounds, four assists. Uh, a steal, shooting 10 of, 20 for, 10 of 20 from the field, three of eight from three. Marcus Morris, 21 points, which I was getting a little slack. The other day, the other day, saying that Box Morris was good. Uh, you and Will, one of the big fans of Box Morris, be saying that he was out. He was a loss for the Clips, but he is twenty-one points, ten rebounds, shooting eight of fourteen in the field, four of eight from three. He's a big presence for the Clippers team. Uh, looking for the second win in a row now, being four and four. Hopefully, they did lose two in a row to the Thunder. But the Thunder four and three on the year. Jazz are overperforming. Thunder got a solid roster this year. A lot of young guys that. I don't think losing that big is a deal. They have seventh yeah. right now in the Western Conference. I mean, it takes a little bit to wake up too. Sometimes you never know. Look at the Warriors right now. I mean. Better record than the Warriors, four, Clippers, Mavericks, Timberwolves, Lakers, Grizzlies. They have a better record than all of those teams in the Thunder. So, mm-hmm. same record Lakers as the Lakers is nothing impressive. Same record as all those teams. Or same record you as the, the Grizzlies. Same record as the uh, Nuggets. But a better record than the Timberwolves, Dallas, LA Clippers, Warriors, Lakers. I mean, it's pretty impressive. Uh, they're 4-3. Better record than the Sixers. Mm-hmm. I mean, than the yeah. Heat. Than the Knicks. I mean, they're not that bad of a team. I mean, I mean early in the season, stuff, it's weird the way the standings are looking right now. Jazz all the six and two. Former contenders are starting to get flipped upside down. Spurs five um, and three. Seen teams with the Blazers, Grizzlies. Um, been a Spurs. lot of interesting teams seen up top. Yeah, Spurs have been good. Pelicans too. Yeah, Pelicans are up there. I think the Pelicans are going to be a sneaky good team this year. I had them in my uh, last time we did this. I had them in my sneaky good teams for this year. Uh, teams to watch. I mean, they're just so talented. Brandon Ingram's been breaking out. CJ McCollum was a great fit for that team. 
Um, I mean, they just got talent all around. Um, and I really think they could be a top three team in the West, the way things are looking right now, especially. I don't want to sign I think I'm outside of the playoff, maybe a nine or ten, which I did a prediction like a week or so ago. Now that I did a I couple weeks ago, which the season already started, so I just stayed with my predictions. wasn't going to tra- change things, and I ended up staying with them, being like a nine or a ten. That's just because I had before the season started. They surprised mm. me. They're playing really well. That's fair. Uh, maybe next week we'll have to make our full rankings. Yeah, east and west. We do something. Yeah, um, go one through eight. Cavs, 114-113 is second to go. Celts ball, as I said. Clips just got themselves the win. 109-101, got back to 4-4 four and four on the year. And then one last game I want to mention. Uh, it was a Mac football game. Bowling Green closing out that game, winning 13-9 over Western Michigan, improving to 5-4 and four on the year. Western Michigan going to 3-6. and six. Central Michigan right now, 2-6 and six on the year, playing NIU at NIU, 2-6 and six on the year, both those teams. Central Michigan up 35-22 with four minutes to go. And it looks like the Celtics... Uh, just lost the game, unfortunately. So lost yeah, by one. Was it a tough? Guy went to Jalen Brown in the game. Twenty nine points, twelve assists, five rebounds, three steals, five blocks. I mean, five threes. Wow, what a way to come back for him coming off that injury and having their first game back. Twenty nine, five, Impressive. twelve, couple steals, couple threes. What do you have? Overall? He's elite. I think he's going to be an all star this year. Bro, I think this is breakout season. I mean, he yeah, was already great last year. Three um, steals, but I think five this is going to be a finally starts getting recognition. I mean, we already know this most improved award every year is always kind of a recognition thing when. You go from being 15, a good player to being kind of a star in the league, and I think Garland's going to be one of those names brought up this year. Hey, the Cavs are six and one. Six and one, only lost one yeah. game in the year. It was the first night losing by three. Yeah, so. five game win streak, six game win streak for them. So yeah, they're pretty good. They're pretty yeah, good. They're, they're a good team. Good. I, uh, they're a good. If there's anything bad I said about them in the off season because I had said it before. I thought they were going to be good this season, but I didn't think the Donovan Mitchell trade was going to take them over the edge. I thought they were good before the. But, I mean, they're Mitchell. starting to prove me wrong. And then with Donovan Mitchell, I was like, wow, they're going to be a three or four. I was, I was all with them. I was with them. I mean, I was with some teams that haven't worked out. Raiders, Colts, uh, what can you do? But I, I stay with those predictions. Yeah, it really stay looks good. I mean, it, it should be better. I, what can you do? Luckily, I didn't bet. I didn't bet. I just said it on the podcast, and the other day, saying something wrong right here. You got to have hot takes. If you say something wrong, yeah, that's fine. It's part of the sport, part of the industry. So, what Yeah, it is what it is. You mean predictions, and some of them are right, some are wrong. Grizzlies up right now, twelve to two over the Blazers. Grizzlies being four and three on the year. Blazers being five and one. Uh, it's one game to you know just I guess look at really quick since both teams pretty good. Um, like you said, the Blazers are overperforming expectations right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, glad to see that happening. Uh, let's move in for the last uh, little bit of this. Let's move to the NFL trade deadline. A lot of crazy trades made yesterday afternoon. Um, I mean, just so many moves around the league. Uh, Bradley Chubb. Um, I mean, there's just so many guys. Chase Claypool, Calvin the Bears, Ridley. Calvin Ridley, the Jags. Uh, just huge waves all over the league. Um, really cool to see. What were your thoughts on yesterday? I thought there were some moves that. We're building for next year, like the Bears trading a second round pick for Chase Claypool. I wasn't the biggest fan of that. I think Claypool's maybe worth a third yeah, or fourth. Claypool's um, a second round pick. I either. think they were just trying to field help for this year and next. You make that move, you're not winning for now, you're not building for now, even though they are three and five, still technically, I guess, in it. Uh, I, I think they're building for next year, maybe just trying to give Justin Fields another person to look to uh, downfield. That was one trade that I didn't really understand, maybe the second round pick, but I understand the reasoning, you know, giving him some help. Roquan Smith, big trade to Baltimore, second in the fifth round pick is what the Bears got back in return. The Bears are pretty active. They also traded Robert Quinn to the Eagles for a fourth-round pick, and also, like I just said, uh, making a trade for Chase Claypool. So adding Claypool, losing Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith, their two best players probably overall, um, I'd mm-hmm. say. So tough to lose both of those guys. But at the end of the day, they're building for next year. Now they have uh, more draft picks and obviously a lot of money to spend in the offseason, especially considering now they don't have to pay Roquan Smith or Robert Quinn. So not the biggest mm-hmm. deal there. And then obviously having yeah, a quarterback on a rookie deal. So... 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're, they're got a lot of space to, coming into the summer. They're building for next year and the next two to three years to build mm-hmm. and then obviously uh, take a step forward. Um, so that was a big trade, obviously, in the Calvin Ridley being traded from the Falcons to Jacksonville uh, for a fifth-round pick and then also a second-round pick. Uh, that's the highest both those picks can be. A 2023 fifth round, it could be a sixth, and then a 2024 second, that could be a third or a fourth. So max out mm. at a second round pick. But he's one year after 11 million, very good deal, especially considering every receiver in the NFL today is making 15, 20 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good trade for the Jags there. Um, yeah, what, what deals are you a fan of against? Even though I named them, obviously I've talked about um, ones. Yeah, uh, one I honestly wasn't as big of a fan of was Roquan Smith getting traded away from the Bears. I like the Robert Quinn move for them just because he's getting up in age and the Eagles needed a guy like him, and, I mean, we're willing to give away the assets. Um, Roquan Smith, though, being a younger talent in the NFL, I get that he's a little bit out of their window, um, but still I think he's one of the best linebackers in the NFL, and I was a little surprised they got rid of him, especially when they're not quite in a full rebuild. They're starting to move into more of a retooling. with I mean, you got a lot of young pieces like Justin Fields, um, Cole Komet is a tight end. I mean, I think he's going to break out in a few years. We saw him. There's some offensive game. pieces. David Montgomery yeah. and obviously Khalil Herbert. Yeah, they're ready uh, to Donald be all right. Mooney. They're not ready to win the Super Bowl. Donald Mooney, not just Claypool. Uh, but offensive line's a little iffy. Yeah, if they uh, could work on the offensive draft. line, their defense a little bit. I think they could. I mean, the way the NFC North has looked this year, outside of the Vikings, I mean, the wide tough. open division. Yeah, I mean, the, the Lions, the Packers. Um, so I'm kind of surprised they got rid of both of those guys, I would think. Um, Robert Quinn was given. Roquan Smith definitely surprised me um, from the Packers side, but I definitely like that trade um, from the other's perspective, um, which is cool to see. Uh, another one I didn't really like was the Bears then trading a second for Chase Claypool. Oh, that was too much, too. Um, that was a really weird move, trying to stack up on a receiver, but a guy like Chase Claypool, there's so much more he could have gotten for a second-round pick um, than him. I just thought that was absolutely ridiculous. That was almost as bad as the Pats trading a second-round pick for a Sanu a few years Mahalo ago. Sanu. Maybe no, not that bad. But... Big Sanu guy. <laughs> Um, yeah, still am a little perplexed by that, um, especially considering it seems like they're trying to load up on picks a little bit, getting rid of Roquan, uh, Roquan Smith, and then going for a guy like Chase Claypool, who really is frankly not worth a second, second pick. I'd say no. maybe third, maybe a, I'd say fourth tops. I'd give maybe I don't a like third round stretch if I'm a team that needs a third receiver. If you really, need, if you really need a wide receiver, I'd give best. a third round pick for him. He's a two yeah. at best. Oh, he was yeah, a second he's, round pick. he's not a wide receiver one. He's not ready to do that. He was a second round pick, and now you're trading a second round pick for him. Look at that. I mean, the Giants yeah, are He hasn't been good for the Steelers either. No. The best thing he did was cause drama by uh, not putting the ball back in time. He was going to celebrate last year. Yeah, celebrate first but, down with 20 seconds. Uh, I guess down. the TikTok era in Pittsburgh yeah. uh, is done. That's what they're yeah, saying. Yeah, Juju so. and Claypool both gone. But yeah, Claypool was a second-round pick, and now they get a second-round pick back in return for him, which is pretty impressive. I mean, considering the Giants are trading Canaris Tony, who was a first-round pick in last year's draft in 2021, 20th overall pick. Then they just got a third and a sixth back in return from the Chiefs, which I thought was a really good return. So for the yeah. for the Steelers getting a second round pick, that's a great return. If you draft the second round, you get a second round back. That's a great return, and especially consider Canaris Tony's more talented. He just doesn't have the head, uh, you know, headspace to be locked in. I don't think he really cares enough, uh, and I don't think he really wants to win right now. I think he just no, I like too the involved for you online, guys too. too involved in getting online on Twitter and arguing with people mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It'd be distracted. I mean, yeah, um, he's not producing. He's, he's causing issues in the locker room. Those are two things that if you want to be a winning franchise, you got to get rid of. Sixty-two without him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, you guys haven't even used him. I mean, you need some wide receiver help, um, but obviously he wasn't the guy. I think um, everyone's found out. So definitely good, especially getting a third-round pick for a guy like that. I know you gave up a first-round pick from a couple years ago, um, but, I mean, it is what it is. You got a third-round pick from him, which is good value the way everything's panned out. Yeah, for him in New York, we're not, so we're not winning with I'm him, definitely so. happy with that trade if I'm the Giants. Yeah, um, I was psyched about it. And I think Chiefs, too, that's a good trade for them. Giving up a third-round pick for a guy that has great potential, a um, couple locker room issues, but maybe Kansas City is the spot he needs to 
reinvigorate his career with a guy like Pat Mahomes. Like Tyreek Hill, he has the ability to do that. Yeah, he he's got that speed. An A for the Giants that move, and then a B plus, A minus for the Chiefs. I think it works out. I think it yeah, works out for both. It teams. works out for both sides perfectly. Giants get the pick, which is what they want. You're trying to get younger, and then Kadarius, uh, Kadarius Tony too for the Chiefs. Helping I mean, out Mahomes, yeah, it works out. Help. Yeah, because they need some help over there too, offensively. I mean, Juju's good, um, but they could still could use a lot of help over there. Nicole um, Hardman, yeah. Yeah, they definitely could use a little more depth. Obviously, Travis Kelsey, too, best tight end in the NFL. So, pretty Mm -hmm. impressive. uh, Never have too many weapons, especially if you're Kansas City. So, they'll have to spread the ball around. That's why they're so good. Demarcus Mm -hmm. Robinson, Tyree Kill, uh, and then they had Miko Hodman, and they had another receiver I'm trying to think of. Um, They still have him now. Uh, Byron Pringle, as well. I mean, they they just stacked a receiver. Stacked Mm -hmm. a receiver. So, and yeah, now Tony too. So and Marquez Valdez Scantling too. My yeah, you're right. Actually, yes, beast. It's crazy how many guy. guys they got in there. They're so deep. Um, I don't think the Chiefs are going away anytime soon. Uh, Bills look scary good right now, though. That's definitely the team to watch out for in the league. Um, yeah, Bills are winning games. Football in New yeah. York, honestly, in general. Jets being five yeah, New York three. football is really turned Giants up. Six and two, and then the Bills as well having a really good thought? year, being six and one. Six and one Bills, six and two Giants, and then the Jets. Five and three, holding a playoff spot right now. Actually, the Jets sixth seed in the AFC Impressive. right now. If the playoffs were to start today, so they went for the pass over them Sunday. Yeah, that was huge. It was slow Best start, Sunday, but yeah. brought it back. Defense played well. Zach Wilson was atrocious. Um, so glad we took uh, took advantage of his mistakes. Got three interceptions. Yeah. Yep. Forgot it was that. I mean, it feels like two weeks ago now because I talked about it yesterday. Yeah, it's been a long week. <laughs> it has. Um, but yeah, good win for the pass. Felt good. Um, I still believe in Mac Jones. Not his best game, um, but I mean, it is what it is. Devontae Parker's been looking good for us. That's been a bright spot this season for sure. Um, yeah, and Zappy and Jones obviously has a competition there. And I wonder what your opinion is on the two of them. Do you like Zappy more? Do you like Jones more? You with whatever Bill wants? You in the middle? I know a lot of Patriots have a side, so I feel like you probably have a side. Yeah, right? a lot of people do have a side. Um, and I would say I honestly believe in Belichick's decision making um, almost completely. Uh, I've always been a supporter of Mac. I still am unsure if he's completely the answer to bring us to a Super Bowl. Uh, but I think for now, where this roster is, he's good enough to play. Um, and I definitely think he should be the quarterback for at least the next couple of seasons. Um, I mean, I didn't really see enough, the same at least, of what other people saw at Zappi the last couple of games. I mean, the way we dismantled the Browns and who was it, the Lions uh, with Zappi, I think we would have done the exact same thing with Matt Jones. Um, and I just think Matt Jones is a slightly better arm um, than Zappi. I mean, I like Zappi too. I think he'll be a good back, a quarterback for us, but I don't think he's ready. To be a starting QB in the NFL yet, um, I just haven't really seen, um, I mean, the physicals yet from him, the throwing. Uh, I like the way he can move a little bit over Mac. Um, that was one of the big reasons I liked having him in the game. Um, but at the end of the day, I just think Mac's more NFL ready right now. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing it stay to be a competition between the two. Um, but I'm definitely happy that Bill has kind of said that Mac is still our guy because I think it could have been causing locker room issues too. And, you know, um, maybe some issues with Mac. Uh, kind of getting his head a little bit that he's got to fight for his job, which is never a bad thing, uh, but you don't want it to affect your team adversely. So uh, it's good to see that Max still on top of the depth chart. And you know, I think he can still lead us into the playoffs. He did it last year in his rookie season. He's only going to go up from here. So um, he's just going to get faster, start making better decisions, uh, throwing the ball better. And I mean, he's going to improve. He's only, what, 23 years old? So Yeah, second-year quarterback. I mean, he's been behind a bad offensive line, no real weapons, and the Patriots have a lot of wide receiver mm-hmm. two slash threes. Yeah, that's the thing, too. we got no wide receiver ones. That's something I didn't mention. Offensive line play has been average this year, and we really have no real weapons, no wide receiver ones. So 
Um, yeah. That's definitely something that people got to take into consideration when looking at that. And it doesn't matter if we score 29 points against the Browns and shut them down. I mean, at the end of the day, it's tough with their weapons. And I think Matt could have done the same thing in those games. Yeah, and if you look at it, I mean, the Patriots also have Joe Judge and Matt Patricia as their offensive assistant. So that's the main reason mm-hmm. I thought Matt was going to regress this year. And then a new offensive system, they're expecting a lot out of him, having him learn a new playbook in second year. It's very tough to learn a new playbook at all. Look at Daniel Jones. I mean, now he's with his fourth fourth offensive coordinator, third head coach, fourth playbook. Really hard for a quarterback to learn in one playbook. Never mind two like Mac is now with Daniel Jones now being on his fourth. That's just a tough disadvantage. And Mac doesn't really have much to throw to. Obviously, Zappi didn't have really much to throw to either. I mean, they're on the same offensive line and same weapons they're working with. Uh, overall in the year, if you want to look at the stats, Mac three touchdowns, 993 passing yards with seven picks. Uh, and then Zappi five touchdowns with three picks with 781 passing yards. Both of those guys uh, leading their team to two wins. Jones being 2-3, and Zappi being 2-0 and in four games. Uh, a couple starts there. And then 100.9 passer rating for Zappi to 73.1 for Mac. But at the end of the day, I mean, Mac's not really working with much. Neither is Zappi, but yeah, Zappi right. also played against two bad defenses in Cleveland and it was Detroit. Detroit, Detroit mm-hmm. Cleveland, exactly. Two bad defenses. Yeah, two poor teams. I mean, like I've been saying, Mac could have done the same thing. I really don't think it was Zappi that won another game for us. Um, I mean, he played well enough for us to win. He played two good games. We'll give it to him. Um, but I mean that Monday night game against the Bears, both quarterbacks, to be honest, with abysmal. Um, but I mean it is what it is. Rookie and a second-year quarterback, you're gonna have ups and downs. So um, I haven't really read into it too heavily. I still think Max the guy. Um, I mean he's still young. It's too early to bail on him for sure. I mean we spent a first-round pick on him, which I mean I'm always the guy that I want to play the better player. Um, but I think that's still Mac, and I haven't really seen enough of Zappy yet to convince me otherwise. So until then, I'm running with Mac all the way. Yeah, I'm running with Mac too. He got you to playoffs last year, and also was a Pro Bowl last year. And even though he was an alternate, you can say, oh, he's an alternate Pro Bowl. He's Pro Bowl regardless. Can't really yeah, still in from. the conversation. So, so that's all that matters. I mean, I he's credit. getting named at some elite QBs in the AFC. So, I mean, I he played credit. well last year. I think he's going to start to come around again this year. Definitely. Um, just got to give it time. And I mean, hopefully the next couple of weeks he continues to heat up. Uh, played a solid game. At least second half, played solid against the Jets, I thought. Um, one touchdown, one pick, like, but yeah. got the win. That's all that matters at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, only one update you guys yeah, on. played better in the second half. He did. And that's all you want out of quarterback, especially that people lost confidence in. You just want them to at least find something. And if you play better in the second half, mm-hmm. you get a win. That's going to breed confidence right there. Uh, Astros up 5 to nothing right now in the top of the seventh. Still with Christian Javier on the mound. 97 pitches, 63 strikes, six innings on the mound. Nine strikeouts, two walks, no runs, no hits. The Phillies are still being shut out through six innings with no hits. Uh, so it was a no-hitter now fishing through six innings. I know usually people say it's a jinx if you don't bring it up. Uh, until like the sixth inning, that's when you don't want to bring it up before then. Now, you could say, okay, that was two times for the order, and he's been getting outs and not giving up any hits. So it's pretty impressive. He has given up a couple walks, though, so it's not a perfect game. But at the end of the day, he's gone two times for the order, so now, so you could say, now he's no hit through, through six. That's pretty impressive. Uh, but already 97 pitches, so he's not going to stay in probably much longer if he does. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe the mm-hmm. Yeah, probably one more, maybe. Get a couple outs. Yeah, at this point, I mean, you get to the eighth inning, you pretty much only lost the game. If you're up five out, just... Face Schwarber already in Hoskins, so I'd face right now Ramudo, Hopper, and Castellanos next inning. I think they'd probably take him out. I probably mm-hmm. think they would. 97 pitches, he's already been in, and now you're facing the heart of that order with Bryce Hopper and Nick Castellanos. I think they'll probably take him out. That's what I would do, mm-hmm. personally. It's not yeah, about I mean, the no-hitter. You're about winning the game. You want to win the World Series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the thing. You pretty much know you're winning this game. You get through this inning, 5-0 still. Um, at that point, yeah, you're just playing for the next games. I mean, it's only tomorrow. two two, so you still have three games left in the series. So. Tomorrow's gonna be a big game. Justin Verlander on the mound, one and zero in the postseason, with a seven two ERA. He's been struggling though over the whole postseason uh, with a one five three WHIP, nineteen strikeouts in fifteen innings, a seven two ERA and three starts. So not the best. 
Noah Syndergaard, former New York Met and L.A. Angel. They made a trade over uh, at the deadline to get him from L.A. to Philly. Uh, he will be starting tomorrow. He's three uh, starts in the postseason, or three games appeared in, I think one start, maybe a couple uh, relief appearances, one six nine ERA, four strikeouts, and five to the third innings pitched. So... There's a rundown of yeah, it's gonna be a big pitcher still tomorrow night. Excited for that for sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting. The Phillies, I mean, baby. At the end of the day, I'm rooting for the Phillies as well. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Why not root for the Phillies? Uh, at the end of the day, yeah, yeah. we can't root for the Astros. And I used to be a big Ryan Howard guy on the Phillies, so yeah, I was well a big Ryan Howard guy too. I met Ryan Howard He's back a beast. in the day. He did. That's sick. 2015, I met him and uh, Andres Blanco, Cesar Hernandez, Adubo Herrera, Jeff Francoeur, Cameron Rupp. I, I met the entire team. Darren Ruff. I met the whole team. Uh, back in 2015 or 16, my Phillies, uh, my passion for the Phillies, I guess, comes from my grandfather. He's a big fan of them. So uh, I used to follow them a lot more than I have now, uh, but I'm still a fan of them. I still root for them. Uh, and especially now, with that being really good, I had them being in the World Series, my predictions in April. So I stayed there, and even though the Red Sox are not in it, uh, the Red Sox would have a better year, I did get the Phillies making it. So I'll take that. Not many people probably had them coming out of the NL. But I saw them having Dave Dombrowski as the president of baseball operations. Absolute genius. He's now gone to the World Series with four different organizations. Very impressive. And then also, they have a really good team. He wasn't afraid to get Kyle Schrober, make trades in the trade deadline like Brandon Marsh, Noah Syndergaard, getting both those guys, David Robinson from the Cubs, and then Marsh and Syndergaard coming from the Angels. He's not afraid to make moves and also signing no. Schrober in the offseason from the Red Sox. Nick Castellanos coming over from the Reds. He's not afraid to make big moves, and that's why I like this Phillies team. I'm still taking them in six games. I think the mm. Astros win tonight. I'll take the Phillies on Thursday night, tomorrow night with Syndergaard on the mound, and I'll take the Phillies winning. Game six in Houston on Saturday night at 8.03. Uh, the stars of that game uh, are not yet announced, but I'll take the Phillies still in six. I like it. I'm going to go Phillies in seven, keep it a little bit different. I got them winning tomorrow night in Philadelphia. They're not going to lose back-to-back home games. Yeah, this would be um, the first home loss. Come back, Astros at home, back against the wall. I think they're going to pull it out on a nail-biter. And then game seven, what will that be, Sunday? The game Sunday seven night. will be Sunday night, yeah. Um, I got Sunday the Phillies taking the whole thing, so... That'll be in Houston, it. too. In seven, in six. Yeah. Game six and seven, both are in Houston. So Should Phillies, be able to take at least one. The Phillies have to win Houston. in Houston. But uh, mm. the Houston Astros and Phillies both before this series were both undefeated at home. Now the Phillies dropping a game uh, Change, at home. Yeah. This would yep. be there. Phillies won on the road to the Astros. The Phillies so. will lose tonight, so this will be their first home loss. And then the Astros obviously already lost one at home in game one. So impressive, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you have it. Yeah, absolutely. So when we root of the Phillies, we got Zach saying Phillies in seven. I got the Phillies in six. I'm going to stay put on that. Uh, we'll keep you guys updated on that and obviously see where things go. Uh, and one last thing I want to mention. Hey, the Mac. Got to close that out. One second. Hold on. <laughs> one last thing we close <laughs> out. Scores. 35-22. Central Michigan getting their second win on the year. Improving to two and six. Now they're three and six, actually. Fire up chips. So, fire up chips. Maybe three and six now on the year. So not the best year for them. Three and six. 35-22 win over Northern Illinois. Uh, and then Bowling Green getting the win over uh, it was I'm forgetting it here now because I have a million Mac schools here right <laughs> out. Uh, Western Michigan actually their third win in a row four of the last five they have won beating Akron uh, and then losing to Buffalo so beating Akron losing to Buffalo beating Miami Ohio beating Central Michigan now beating Western Michigan uh, they are now one two three four five wins uh, on the year uh, so pretty impressive uh, wow. five and impressive. four for them on the year and then Central Michigan obviously improving uh, to three, two three and six so there you have it. Uh, and the Celtics losing as well. So what can you do? There's a rundown of everything. Yeah, tough game for them. Um, well, the Bruins. Well, they want to mention ball. really quick before we close oh, up the, the Bruins bees, last night. Right. One yeah, minute of the Bees. One minute of the Bees. They were down last night 5-3 when I left the studio. I had an episode last night. Uh, I forgot to mention them. And then on the way back, I said, oh, i got to add them in. So I talked about it for one minute. They were down 5-3. to uh, Omar gave up five goals. Uh, the Bruins really didn't them out of the too game. much. They yeah, did. Put in 
Swayman ended up coming in, yeah, and then I think Swayman got hurt, and then Almark went back in. Uh, but he, they did pull him. They had to down five three. Mm-hmm. I got a big win though. The Bruins now won the game nine to one. Well, yeah, got the win Everything in OT. At the last minute, Lindholm had an absolute rip in overtime. Uh, also three assists game all around. In a five point, a four point game. Wow, that's a four point game. A goal and three assists. Uh, actually missed. Uh, a breakaway opportunity had a big shot, an opportunity for the Bruins uh, to win the game. Uh, I think he had a pass uh, to Thomas Thomas uh, Nozick. Uh, ended up missing him uh, on a shot. Uh, Nozick hit the goalpost, and then he went right down the court, uh, right down the ice. I'm so used to talking basketball. Went right down <laughs> the ice after that. Lindholm got the puck, went right down about 15 seconds later, and ripped the game winner for the Bruins. His third goal of the year. Patrice Bergeron picks up the assist, his sixth assist on the year. The Bruins end up winning, improving to 9-1 and one on the year. Very impressive, especially considering they were without Brad Moshin and Matt Grizzlick until the last week or so now. And then now is still missing Zach, uh, McAvoy, too, Charlie McAvoy. Yeah, so missing right. that core right there is tough. And then obviously not having Matt Grizzlick and Brad Moshin, uh, two big losses there. But Moshin had a goal last night. Zach had a goal last night. Charlie Coyle, Dan's boy, had a goal last night. Taylor Hall had a goal last night. Uh, the Bruins end up coming back. In the third period, finding themselves down five to three, end up winning the game, which was huge. So we're two goals in the third and a goal in overtime, outscoring them three nothing in the third period. It'll take very impressive. Yeah, great comeback from the Bees. Uh, love to see that energy. Um, I mean, yeah, just great win all around. Really turned things around. Allmark had a brutal start, came back in and played elite. Defense really stepped up third period. So defense played great. Twenty one to twelve. Matters, two points. Twenty one to twelve block shots for the Bees. Very impressive. Hits thirty eight forty eight in Pittsburgh's favor. So not the best there, but. The Bruins dominated the face-offs 55-45. Uh, so that's uh, pretty good. Uh, yeah. Takeaways, though. Only six of the Bruins, 14 for Pittsburgh. So that's one of the Bruins get better. Yeah, but hey, they still won the game. The puck, but yeah, hey, a win's a win, so we'll take the two points. 9-1 in the year is incredible. Yeah, um, best record in the NHL, actually. Yeah, so. Best record in the NHL, which is very impressive. Gotta keep it up. Uh, the Knights are 9-2, which is worse now with the still Bruins losing. Too. Cassidy, Bruce Cassidy losing. Yeah. Uh, you know, his job in the offseason going over to Vegas. Now, Vegas is 9-2, best record uh, in the Western Conference. Then you look in the Eastern, uh, you've got the Bruins holding the best record uh, over there at 9-1. Uh, like you said, yeah, the Bruins are missing a lot of pieces. Charlie mm-hmm. McAvoy's yeah, been out. Uh, he's still out probably for another month or so. And then obviously they missed uh, Brad Moshin for the first seven games of the season. And then missed Mac Rizzo for the first five. So that's two losses there. But they're playing very well, and I'm impressed. Uh, winning six in a row now for the Bees, five in a row for the Knights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, great season so far. We'll definitely keep talking to the Bruins as the year progresses. Uh, love the start they've been having. Um, and with that, we'll start to wrap up this episode. Uh, thank you, everyone, once again for listening. Uh, we'd like to give a shout-out to our friend John, uh, JD. He's awesome before us for a shout-out. Yep, he'll be on at one point in the season at Top BC Hockey. Probably we get a little bit more in the season, a couple weeks, so they have a better, you know, standing. Yeah, you can, you yeah once they start playing one, some Hockey East games. Five games so far, but you can't really base yeah, the season. Yeah, got some Hockey East games in first. So we can analyze uh, for a sure. Um, but yeah thank you everyone for listening we'll see you next week yeah thank you guys so much for listening we'll be back on with the playbook with Joey and Zach on WZBC AM Sports Radio next Wednesday night probably similar timing 9.30 to 10.30 we'll have another interview yeah. game um, hopefully we'll I win that down. hopefully week. the Phillies close out the series by then the series will be over anyways hopefully the Phillies mm-hmm. uh, get the win we'll break that down next Wednesday night hopefully but for sure yeah, thank you guys so much yeah thank you guys so much for listening we appreciate it and hopefully BC gets a win on Friday have a good weekend guys thank you we'll be back in next week 9.30 to 10.30 have a good night thank you guys